Hello, and welcome to the Forum on Education Abroad's Storytellers Podcast. This next set of episodes are focused on equity, diversity, and inclusion in the world of education abroad. My name is Ryan Vonderhaar, and I was thrilled to help produce this project. The episodes you're about to hear were developed by members of the Forum's 2021-2022 Inclusive International Engagement Working Group. For more information on this project and all of the other great initiatives and work being done in this realm, please visit forumea.org. We hope that you enjoyed the episode. Hi, my name is Erin Bauma. I'm the Partnership Development Manager at Absolute Internship, a company that organizes internships remote and international for students from all over the world to participate in, in work experience abroad in Europe and Asia. I got involved with the Global Voices podcast because diversity, equity, and inclusion are values that we hold really close, and I was excited to explore these themes more. On today's episode, we focused on creating space for families and how this can create a more inclusive program. Hi, I'm, I also join Erin. Uh, My name is Andy Diagostino. I'm the Assistant Director of Education Abroad at Dickinson College. Uh, we're located in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Um, I also got involved in this forum working group um, out of a dedication to DEI. Um, it's something that Dickinson also um, places a lot of value on. Um, as part of this forum working group, Erin and I were interested in learning more from others in the field about um, how they best support students. Um, we're seeing now an increase in family involvement. We wanted to explore what that involvement has looked like looked like throughout all stages of the experience, from recruitment to pre-departure to while the student is abroad, and how we can, as practitioners, best support students and their families along the way. I had the pleasure of speaking with Cassidy from Global Glimpse. Global Glimpse is a nonprofit organization that partners with a diversity of high schools to provide a powerful travel experience focused on service learning, cultural immersion, and leadership development. And in our conversation today, we also got to speak with Nia Morgan, a former Global Glimpse participant who traveled to Costa Rica, and she was able to share her experience with us as well. We talked about how Global Glimpse focuses on DEI, the trends and concerns families had about sending students abroad. We talked about how different students approach their, their families in different ways and how the experience actually shaped these students. So excited to, to share this with you. And without further ado, here's the episode. All right. Hi, good afternoon. Welcome to the Global Voices podcast. In this episode, we are going to be discussing the importance of creating space for families when talking to students about going on experiences abroad and how this may foster more inclusivity in the students that are able to do exper experiential learning programs. So my name is Erin. Um, I work for Absolute Internship, which is an international on-site and remote internship provider. And today I am gonna be talking with Cassidy Phillips of Global Glimpse, as well as Nia Morgan, who is a former student of the Global Glimpse program. So um, we're gonna get started here with Cassidy now. Um, Cassidy, would you mind letting us know a little bit about yourself and, and about Global Glimpse as well? Of course, hello everyone. Super excited to be here. 
My name is Cassidy Phillips. I am the Chicago Programs Manager for Google Glimpse, and I've been in my role for almost a full year. It's been like 11 and a half months, so super excited about coming up on that one-year anniversary. Um, so in my role, I manage all things Chicago. So Global Glimpse is based in three regions in the U.S. currently, the Bay Area in California, um, New York, Western Mass, which is we call Northeast Programs, and then Chicago. So I manage all things Chicago. I work with our students, our families. I help manage our volunteer teachers who travel with the students in the summer. I do all the administration, the recruitment, like everything, all things Chicago. So that's me. Wow, you really do it all. It's amazing. <laughs> it's crazy. We have, we go through seasons and every season is so robust and completely different from the previous season. So I'm really happy to have completed a year. And I, I started at Google Glimpse right at the beginning of the recruitment cycle. So I started literally at the perfect time of the year. So I've seen every part of it and I finally feel like I understand my role since I've like, cause every season is so different. Like, yeah, so it's just been so great to get a true understanding of, of this role. So yes. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think something so great about working in sort of like experiential learning and education is that you kind of are like always learning, like yeah, everything's really. kind of new every, every day. Truly. Um, so that's great. So one of the, you know, the new trends, obviously that a lot of people are seeing with education abroad is the fact that families are more involved than ever in sort of the process of students deciding to go abroad in the orientation. Um, you know, some of us, I think even get a little nervous about how involved families are these days. Um, so I'm excited to kind of talk to you and get your perspective on that. Um, I'm wondering kind of from your perspective, what is the relationship you have with the families of the students that you're working with? It's interesting. It's been definitely a learning curve for me in my first year because Global Glimpse is a leadership program. So ideally we would be talking with students, even though they're still minors, um, we only take high schoolers. So we understand that, but we want students to feel empowered to step up and take accountability and action and make decisions for themselves, obviously with their parents. like. For most of these students, all, almost all of them, their parents are paying for them to participate in this, and we understand that. But we want the students to know that, you know, they have a voice and they're about to be adults and like like in college, most of them in a year. Um, so it's been interesting. It's been hard sometimes. Like so, for example, I have a, a story already. Um, like sometimes students will make decisions without their parents, but then their parents will be like, "They never told me this." Like. I didn't know that they were going to do this. I don't agree with this. And it's kind of like a whole thing. Um, but then on the, on the other end, I end up only talking to parents. Like parents will email me their students' passports and all their information. And I never even hear from the student because their parents handling all their administration stuff, which is not ideal either. So it's been such an interesting, um, it's just been so interesting to see the students who I have never heard from their parents once or the parents who are doing everything for their students. So we get the whole array of experience with these students. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you notice any trends in kind of which families need more support in making the decision to send the students abroad than, than others? I definitely feel like our lower 
to middle income students, um, their families were more open about their apprehensions about sending their students abroad. Um, so Global Glimpse, one of our big tenants is students don't have cell phones or anything that has access to Wi-Fi when they're in country. And I had a couple of parents, um, both of whose families were low, lower income, who were just super upset about that. Even when they knew the entire time, since I've talked to them back in October, November, that um, their students were going to be without their phones. I'm not sure, you know, what the transition was, but basically in May, we hosted family info sessions. We were like, hey, you know, you might hear from your students one to three times during this trip, but they will not have their phones. And I had parents during that meeting and in follow-up emails and phone calls, like basically begging us to change our policy. Like, I don't want them to not have phones. I don't want, I've never not had access to them. I don't want to not be able to reach them, even though they've known since the beginning that was a policy. So that has been a big thing, like some families were like, I don't like that. I'm not gonna be able to speak to my student. I don't want them to go because I, I want to be able to reach them. And also students on the same and not, not wanting to not have their phones as well. Another thing is a lot of families um, have never traveled, like again, lower to middle income. They've never uh, gone anywhere internationally or even been on a plane before in their own lives. And so they're like really terrified to send their students on an experience like that, that they've never even taken in themselves. And then them not having phones on top of that, it, it gives a lot of anxiety. I remember back in January, um, when we were preparing for the first payment deadline, there was a student who, um, who emailed me and was like, hey, I have to drop out. I was really disappointed. Like, what can I do to like keep you around? You know, why are you, why do you want to drop out? And um, her sister actually, her big sister ended up calling me and she was like, is there any way I can attend this trip with my sister? Like my mom will not let her go by herself. She's just has so much anxiety. She can't send her by herself. Um, of course there was, there was no way that that could happen. We only take high school students. Her sister was in college, um, but she was like, yeah, we just, they really want her to have the experience, but her mom was just like, she cannot go by herself. So I think that has been those two uh, barriers, like, so they're not having access to the students, like not having their phones and then um, the families themselves never having experienced this. And then just like letting their kids go free without being able to contact them, I think are like the two big things that I experienced this year for why parents have major apprehensions letting their children travel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those apprehensions make sense when it's something, you know, that they haven't experienced yet. And for sure. And it's something, you know, kind of just outside of what's normal right now. Um, but I think that's interesting that, you know, you're taking the time to have those, you mentioned um, family info sessions. Can you explain a little bit more about kind of what you're doing in those? Yeah, yeah, of course. So we have a touch point with families in October, November during recruitment season. So Normally we go into the schools or it'll be virtual um, and we present Google Glimpse to the families. And after that, students have a certain amount of time to apply to participate in Google Glimpse. And then during the year, we have pre-trip workshops where we are interacting with the students and helping them mentally, emotionally prepare to travel. And then right before traveling season starts in June, in May, late April to all of May, we have those family info sessions where we get to finally touch base with the families again and let them know what's gonna be happening um, when their students are gone for 14 days. And so we go over everything. We go over 
the curriculum, what the students are going to be doing in country, what their accommodations group is going to be like. Um, we explain like the policies and the rules, what can happen like, for students to get sent home and like what's just what the expectations are, who their students are going to be with, who the adults are going to be monitoring them while they're in country for 14 days. Um, we talk about all health issues or uh, what happens if your student gets sick, um, what are our policies like for COVID-19, things like that. So um, it's, it's usually about 90 minutes to two hours long and we answer all questions from families at their times. Parents are allowed to express their grievances or any anything they're wondering about before their students actually travel. So we handle a lot of that on the front end to help minimize that right, right before travel. Um, but you can definitely tell, <laughs> and we did these virtually this year, um, particularly in Chicago, you can definitely tell the families who were not paying attention because they'll email me like asking me a million questions about everything I covered during the um, family info sessions. But we try to cover that in the beginning before they actually get to travel. That's great. That's great. And then, um, yeah, I'm interested to know sort of uh, besides like the the cell phone side what are what would you say are the other like biggest concerns that the students have is it kind of like those you know where they're going to go if they get sick or are those kinds of things what are the the main questions that you get from parents in those sessions this year uh, this was our first robust year traveling post pandemic um so definitely the what happens if my student gets sick particularly with covid because the us just got rid of their negative COVID test before entering to the country requirement though, that changed everything this summer. Because you know, you have to test negative. Um, and so if a student tested positive, they would have to stay behind the group and stay in country until they tested negative. But because that um, policy has changed in the US, students were able to come back without being tested, which saved us a lot of like heartache and, and um, issues. So definitely what happens if students get sick and global glimpses history, um, the most serious thing we had was a student's appendix burst and they had to go um, and get have an appendectomy. Uh, but definitely the sickness thing, definitely not being able to reach their students as regularly as, regularly as they want. Um, I think another thing is accommodations because the parents know that these students are going to um, areas where it just may not be like the US. <laughs> I'm like kind of as posh as U.S. is not Hilton and stuff like that. So a lot of parents are like, who are they being with? How many people are they around? What are they doing there? Um, things like that. But I'm not going to lie, Erin. It was a strange year because um, my supervisor, Brent, would check in with me like, what, what questions are you getting from parents? And my Chicago families were just really chill, honestly. Like, I didn't have a lot of issues from them, like a lot of big questions. They were just like along for the ride, which I think, it's an interesting thing in itself. Like, I feel like a certain kind of family, a certain kind of person would be like, yeah, I want you to do this. Still kind of in the middle of the pandemic, knowing like all these things are up in the air, knowing that you could have to stay behind if you test positive and like still send your kids abroad. Like, I feel like that takes a lot of courage and a lot of um, spontaneity, I guess, from the parents too, to do that. Cause I don't even know if my own mother would have let me do that, you know? And so I, I really applaud the families who were willing to support their kids in this because I think some parents coming out of the pandemic were like, man, my kids have been locked in the house for two years. Like this is a really, really great experience for them. I want them to have it. Um, so yeah, it's just been, it's just been really interesting. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I think it is interesting. It'll be so interesting to like talk again a year from now and see like a year out of pandemic. What are like the changes then that happen, you know? Exactly. For real. That's so that's so interesting. And then um can you and no, I was also gonna ask you, um, so Another question that I had was, how does Global Glimpse take like diversity, equity, and inclusion into account kind of with your processes for recruiting students? Yes, thank you for asking that, Erin. DEIB is involved and interlaced in everything we do from the schools that we're partnered with and the organizations that we're partnered with, all the way to training the leaders who are going to be with the students in country. So on the ground level, we're partners with schools across all three regions in the cities that are super diverse. So we intentionally have portfolios of schools who are partnered with us who have like major upper income, like maybe 15 or 10% um, free and reduced lunch percentage at their school, all the way up to like 98, 99% FRPMs at their school. So we intentionally have those types of schools on our roster so that when we build the trips, they're as diverse as possible. Not only like financially, but also like racially and experientially diverse. So we expect that these students, you know, the students going to school where there's 99% FRPM, their lives are probably really different than students who have a 10% FRPM. So um, we intentionally have schools on our roster that are super diverse, even in that regard. And then the system that we use to assign students to trips after they're accepted automatically creates diverse trips. So it looks at, the race of the student, the uh, their income level when they like that they choose that they delineate themselves, um, and other aspects about themselves that they know, and it intentionally creates um, like a super diverse group of students. Um, we have up to twenty two students on a trip, so we try to have like a good balance of all types of people on the trip, so that students are able to actually interact with people that they might not have met otherwise. And it's so cool because. They probably live like 10 miles apart, like across the city, but their lives are so different depending on their zip code. Um, so that's really cool. Another thing that we do is we help students mentally prepare for their trips, which I already mentioned in the pre-trip workshops. And during the workshops, we emphasize DEIB to the students as well. So uh, we, don't necessarily, we don't necessarily frame it like that, like this is DEIB, um, but we teach students the importance of listening to learn, telling them they're gonna meet students, people that you may not have ever interacted with before, people that are really different from you, uh, but again, who live really close to you and listen to learn, just hear their stories, understand that you may not agree with everything that they think or their political thoughts or the way that they function in life, the way that they perceive things, but that's okay. Like you don't have to um, agree with everything, but you can still accept them and love on them and just be with them. Um, and that's a really cool thing. And that's a lot of the feedback that we get from students when we assess them in our post-trip surveys that they're just like the people I met, like they're the most down to earth, realistic people. And it's just, it just deeply moves a lot of them. Um, and then another way that we um, take DEIB into account with our families is we have a lot of Spanish speaking families. And um, so for them, we're really careful to make sure that we translate the documents that we're sending out to families because we're sending out documents all the time. Um, 
we make sure that we translate those into Spanish so that Spanish-speaking families can access that. Also, we have Spanish-speaking um, recruitment presentations that we give. And then the, fa the family pre-trip sessions that I mentioned that we do in May, we also have Spanish sessions of those too. So I unfortunately am not fluent in Spanish, but my amazing coworkers, Chris and Gabriela, usually host those and they'll do the whole thing in Spanish. We'll have Spanish-speaking alums come back and share as well, which is really, really cool. Um, so we, we're intentional about that. And that way, we also, um, I think another aspect of the EIB is thinking about like people's income, which I've been talking about, but um, not everyone has a passport, right? Not everyone has traveled. Some people have no idea what the steps to getting a passport are. And it's interesting too, and this is something I, I realized because I, I grew up low income, lower income. Um, and so a lot of, I found a lot of students don't have their passports. And it's hard for them to get it because they don't have their birth certificates. They don't have access to like those really important documents because they moved a lot and they got lost randomly or like they have to put in a request in a different state because um, they were born in a different place to get their birth certificates. So um, supporting families through that, like, what are these steps? How, I had a lot of students and families asking me, how do I pack my suitcase? What do I put in my bag? Like, where should I go to get them, get the stuff that I need? Like, is this appropriate? Where should I even buy a suitcase? Things like that. So it's, it's been really fun even supporting them in the, in those like baby steps, getting ready to travel. And then finally, um, our last big thing for DEI is training the traveling teachers who will be with the students in country. So we have um, each region has an entire day where we set aside from like eight to five training leaders on everything before they go. And we have an entire segment about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging and how, because for example, so our teachers are from our partner school. So we might have a teacher who's from an upper income partner school and like half of their trip is lower income and maybe they're not used to working with that demographic of students um, or vice versa. And even, even both of those can be really different um, and can have, it can rub the teachers the wrong way, just like depending on their perception and what they're used to. So getting them ready for that as well, like um, the students you're gonna be interacting with are super different. Um, and they're going to have very different experiences. They're going to perceive things super differently, just depending on the way that they were raised and how they perceive life. And so, yeah. So DEI is woven into like every facet of Google Glimpse. And it's something that I'm really proud of as well. That's great. That is so great to hear. And, you know, I think it's interesting to kind of hear, you know, um, a lot of us have had discussions about like, DEI as well in our programs, but you know we're a lot of times dealing with a little bit older of students. So it's really interesting to kind of get your perspective dealing with high school students because you know you are like getting them at an even younger age and and kind of a, a moment where maybe they haven't had as many experiences yet, but also they're a little bit more open. Yes, I love that. I I feel like high schoolers are they're still in that space where they're trying to explore and it's really cool. This is another thing I love about Google Glimpse because when they're in their trips with their peers, these are students that they don't know. Like they're able to express themselves and be whoever they want to be, you know? These are not maybe the kids that they've known since kindergarten and pre-K and they, they have, they like fit into a box. Like they're able to like be who they want to be and say what they want to say and 
press those boundaries. And I think that a lot of students who travel with us, they share that they just feel so understood and welcomed and loved after traveling with us because exactly what you're saying, they're in that stage where, I don't know, I don't know, like, I feel like Gigi is a space where they don't have to try to fit in per se, like, they're able to test the waters and be like, who am I when I'm not surrounded by my family, surrounded by people I've known my whole life, when I don't have a phone, when I can't like text my best friend and be like, help get me out of this, you know what I mean, situation or like get that support. Um, and they're able to stretch themselves in that way. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, yeah, it's just a really cool thing to be able to see that. Amazing, amazing. Um, so uh, Nia has joined us now. <laughs> um, so Nia, just to kind of give you, well, first of all, is it everything working okay? Microphone and everything, do you hear us good? Yeah, I can hear you. Perfect, perfect. So yeah, and Nia, just to kind of give you a little bit of background and everything, of we've kind of jumped in and started talking already, but we're super excited that you're here. Um, so you see a couple other people in the call right now. Andy has been working on putting this podcast together with me. And then um, Ryan is doing the recording and he'll be editing everything afterwards as well. So um, one thing that Ryan let us know ahead of time is that, you know, when you're kind of giving answers or, or when we're kind of having this discussion, if you ever kind of want to like pause and redo, that's no problem. You can just like stop for a second and, and sort of reset and he can just kind of fix that later. Um, but if you're cool, we'll just kind of continue our conversation and I've got some questions for you and, and we'll just kind of jump in and do it. Does that sound good? Yes. Perfect, perfect. Well, um, Nia, it's so nice to meet you. Um, if you don't mind, could you maybe start off just by introducing yourself a little bit and letting us know how you got involved with Global Glimpse? Yes, yeah, so my name is Nia Morgan and I graduated this year from Gwendolyn Brooks College Prep on the south side of Chicago. Um, I got into the Global Glimpse program initially because I was taking French at the time at my school and my French teacher was kind of like the sponsor, one of the sponsors for the trip. And so she kind of like initially introduced us to it. And at first I was thinking, I was like, wow, that sounds too good to be true. That sounds amazing. And I don't know, like if my mom was going to let me do that, it was like a lot going through my head, but I did ended up um, getting more information about it because she was able to recommend like certain people in the class that she thought would be fit for it. So after that happened, I kind of like gather more information in preparation to ask my parents. And that's kind of like how the whole process started from there. That's amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about how that initial conversation with your parents went? Yes. So initially they were kind of like thinking the same thing that I'm thinking like, this is too good to be true. You get to go out of the country for basically whatever we can pay. And you get to like experience so many different things and like get community service, all of that good stuff. They thought it was also too good to be true. So like when I was gathering the information, I had to make sure I had it down to a T so that there was no answer that I couldn't provide for them because then they would be like, oh, okay, well, if you don't know, then how will we know? So I just had to make sure like I knew exactly what was going on, what was gonna happen before I told them. That makes sense, that makes sense. And then um, Cassidy, were you able to meet Nia's parents as well? 
No, so Mia actually traveled last summer before I even started at Google Glimpse. So I have not had the pleasure of meeting the Morgan family, but I have gotten <laughs> to meet Mia in person and she is absolutely fabulous. When I um, did the in-person parent session at Brooks, she was my alum who came and spoke with me um, to tell the students about the program. So it, she's been really great. Amazing, amazing. And Mia, can you share, like, once you kind of got into the process, were there any concerns that came up for your parents? Like Cassidy was mentioning now that a lot of parents get a little bit um, nervous about the fact that students, like, won't have access to phones or Wi-Fi when they're on site. Was there anything like that that kind of was worrying for your family? Yes, it was definitely a big thing. I would say the, the two biggest things were the fact that I was traveling without them for the first time and also that I wouldn't be able to, like, personally reach out to them while I was at the trip. They were very concerned about that. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And had you done much traveling with your family beforehand? Yeah. So usually my family travels a lot, at least like once or twice a year. But when we travel, we always travel together. So this was kind of like something completely different out of the box where I was traveling alone. And not even, that was my first time going to a different country. So not only was I going alone, but I was going to a whole different part of the world without my parents. Yeah, yeah. That's something so brave too. <laughs> so kudos to you on that. Um, there, another thing that's challenging is, so, so for example, um, Mia mentioned Ms. Cagney, who was a French teacher, and she is one of our global GUMS leaders on site, but they don't always travel with us. So some, some families are like, okay, I know Ms. Cagney. Um, if she travels, then Mia can go. Cause like, I know her, she's her teacher, Mia knows her, um, but that's not always possible because not all GGLs travel every year, just depending on family circumstances. So. I, I love that Nia's mentioning this. And also what Nia mentioned originally, I think that's so interesting because I feel like, I remember when I was in high school, even the way I had to pitch something to my mom, it has to be pitched perfectly or if she says no, it's like over. So I, I think it's interesting because I noticed, again, I, I feel like, I'm sorry if this sounds like, if I keep repeating myself or whatever, but I feel like the upper income families their the parents will reach out to me asking me questions scheduling phone calls to dig through the, the nitty-gritty of the info but I feel like a lot of the like lower or middle income families the students were like asking me all these questions um trying to develop kind of like a pitch to their family um I did I'm not, not that's not to say that no lower middle income families reach out to me but it's just I feel like I noticed that a lot of the like upper income families were more like I barely heard from their students and they were doing more of the administrative research for their for their students it's interesting that is interesting that's interesting to kind of see that that trend as well nice and then um I also wanted to ask you Mia um can you tell us a little bit about your experience abroad, what that was like and kind of what, you know, I don't know, what were some of the things that were scary or amazing or, or kind of what, what did you have while you were while you were abroad? And where did you go, by the way? So I went to Costa Rica, San Jose. We stayed in that area. So what it was like for me, it was like 
just something really, really different. Because like I said, it was my first time going in a different country alone or traveling alone in general. My first time like getting on a plane without family and all of that stuff. So it was really like exciting to like go out and venture, but it was also scary because when we like the group that the group that I went with, I didn't know anyone from like my school or anything. There was one person from my school out of all, I want to say there was maybe like 18 of us, maybe. So out of all of the um, people that I travel with, I only knew one person like before we went to the airport. So it, were, it was kind of like introducing ourselves in the TSA line and just, you know, trying to get to know each other before we have to be with each other for the next several days. So that was really interesting. I made a lot of friendships very quickly because of the, like the no technology and all of that stuff, which what turned out to be like really great for me. So I'm glad that I was able to experience that. Costa Rica was beautiful. Going to a different country just gives you like a whole different perspective because you're so used to like America, fast paced every day, you're doing something, you see someone, you know, you have to go this place all the time to just kind of like slowing down and just being in nature. Wow. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. It is such a different, a different world. Um, what was it like when you went then back kind of, you know, talking about your experience with your family? Talking with the experience with the family was kind of like a, I don't know like what to say because there was so much that happened that it was kind of like, where do I start? Like, what was the, what was the one thing that I want to start with to kind of like go into the whole trip so I kind of just ended up doing it chronologically like the first day I did this I also was able to like journal every single day so I don't forget so I took a journal with me in addition to like the little um the little booklet that they gave us there I took my journal with me and I like documented every single day to make sure that I didn't forget one detail so I kind of that's kind of like how I told them like on the first day when we first got there, I did this and then the next morning and then the next day. So yeah, that's how I, it kind of went. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'm sure that that was so great for them too, to kind of share that experience with you, you know, play by play. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. Um, yeah. So Cassidy, do you have um, like kind of a, a post that you do with the students as well to kind of talk about their experiences and like how to explain it to their families and things like that? Good question. So, okay. So we do post-trip um, debrief surveys. So students have the choice to fill that out, but we try to follow up with them at least once or twice if they haven't filled it out by maybe like two weeks after they have received the initial survey. Um, so we get a lot of anecdotes from students in that, a lot of uh, qualitative responses from them, just of how they perceive the entire thing. We also have an alumni ambassador program, which Nia was a part of informally. Um, and basically students apply to represent Global Gums at their school the next year. So I know I said high school students travel with us, but it's primarily juniors. Um, we allowed seniors to travel this year because we had extra space for them to join, but it's usually juniors because um, after that, during senior year, they can help their leaders at their school recruit students for this for the next summer. And it's really cool because students love to be able to be like, what country did you go to? How did you feel about it? Like, what did your parents say? So students love being able to be able to be like, okay, this person did it. They survived. They have fun. I'm going to do it too. So, um, so yes. 
I'm so sorry. What was your original question? What did you ask me originally? No, no, that, that was great. No, yeah. Okay. Kind of what sort <laughs> okay. of the, the follow-up was afterwards. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, oh, wait, sorry. I have more to add to that. Thank you. Because that reminded me of what I want to say. Additionally, um, students who choose to participate or who apply to be in the alumni master program, we have summits for them. So we do special things for them because they're helping, you know, run GG at their school. Um, one of the summits that we do is helping them tell their story. So helping them be able to verbalize what they experienced in country and share that like for on college essays or whatever, just like talking about themselves and how transformational the experience was for them, which it usually was for a lot of students. That's amazing. That's amazing. Do you have a lot of like parents and students that are interested in like getting the information of past students and like speaking with them? Is that a common sort of request that you get? Oh my gosh, yes. Like I had Mia on for the family info session in May. She was so popular. Everyone was like, Mia, because you joined today. Like, I feel so much better. You eased all my fears. No matter, they don't, I mean, I'm not saying they don't trust me, but, you know, it's my job to tell them about this. But when Nia gets on and she's able to share, um, and she's like, has her beautiful smile, and she's just like sharing how amazing this experience was for her. It really does a lot, not only for the students, but also the families as well. Like they, we usually, like for the ones on Zoom, she would, Nia did one that was on Zoom and parents are in the chat like, Nia, you like a switch, all my fears, thank you. Couldn't do this without you. Um, but yeah, so we have alums come speak at the pre-trip one that's in May. And then also during recruitment, we have a student hopefully from that school who's able to share um, about their experience as well. And they ask them the hard questions too, like, what did you like? What didn't you like? Like what stood out? What, what, what do you regret? What would you change if you could go back and do it again? Um, things like that. And I think it's, it's really, I feel like just like when you're buying a product online, you, I always like go to the reviews. I see how many stars I have to go to the reviews immediately to be like, what do people say about this product? It's the same thing. People love to hear that those types of um, stories and information. So, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Nia, how has it been kind of that ambassador experience? Do you enjoy kind of talking to students and their families? Tell us a little bit about it. Yes, I do like it. Like um, Cassidy said, it's really like, it's really amazing to see people like find comfort in my experience because I'm kind of like the passageway where like I've been there and I know like what actually happened versus just like preparing for the trip and like sending your kid off. So like, I think it's very cool that I can tell people like what happened and like share my experience, not only to just like convince them to go, but like just to share how it happened and if you were given this opportunity to like encourage them to be brave about it. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And I also wanted to ask you, Nia, um, you know, having this abroad experience in high school, I'd love to hear a little bit how it affected you. Do you see yourself, you know, going abroad again in the future? I know you're in university now, correct? Yes, I start um, my freshman year of college in two weeks. Congrats. So yes. So yes, it's all very exciting. But it has definitely impacted me positively. I do want to travel out of the country more. Since then, I have. I went to the Bahamas for my graduation trip. And wow. it was yeah, it was very fun. 
it kind of like reminded me of like the first time experience being out of the country, like having a passport, going through customs, all of that stuff. It was really amazing. I would definitely do it again and again. Going out of the country gives you just so much, so much more perspective than what you would get in America because you're so used to a certain way of living that like, it's kind of like, you know, a good transition, I would say. Yeah, from the normal life mm-hmm. that's so good where are you going to be going to school um Xavier University in Louisiana oh congrats that's amazing thank and you do you think um I mean going out of state is like a big step too do you think that kind of mm-hmm. having already had an abroad experience kind of helped you be comfortable with that leap it definitely has allowed me to be more brave about the things that I want because a lot of times you kind of like you see something and you want it, but you're like, oh, that's like, it's really different. I'm not used to it. So you kind of like, you know, shy away from it. But like the leaving the country experience definitely helped me be more brave about doing things outside of like my normal comfort zone. So like, that's why I'm going all the way to Louisiana from Chicago to just like go out and adventure amazing amazing I'm sure it helps your your family be more brave about sending you off too yes (laughs) yeah yeah it's never easy but (laughs) but that's great I can add um I love that Mia keeps using the word brave and courage because I think when students think of not having their phone for two weeks being away from their families most of them or not most but a lot of them for the first time their heart probably start beating beating really fast and they're like I can't do that like I can't leave my phone I can't I have a sister who's about to be a junior and I'm like first you could travel with global glimpse you should do it and she's like I can't have my phone I don't know I don't I don't know like that's literally one of the first things I'm, I know I keep mentioning that but I think that's for a lot of students like not having access to the world is a big deal for her because she's never been without phones and I was going to actually add that to the original question you asked me earlier but I think that that is a shift right because for example my mother was alive in a time where there was no access to phones and so I think you know millennial parents now who have had more access like in their kids I think it's a different world where you know kids get phones at like seven eight nine years old they've never not known where they are what they're doing whatever and so I think that might be another trend, another aspect of it, like for both parties, like the kids and the parents never being away from each other and then having to do that. And especially in a climate like this where there's like something crazy in the news, terrible every day, you know? Um, So I think there's a lot of courage on behalf of the students and the parents doing this in this climate, but like, believing that they're so good in the world, you know, and that your kid can have a good time um, abroad still. Yeah, yeah. When I assume, although like the students don't have phones or like that kind of easy connection to be texting back and forth all day, there is like something set up for emergencies and things like that for parents, right? Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) Yes, the leaders who are with them. So students are monitored by four people, um, two in-country program coordinators who live locally, and then two of the teachers from Chicago who travel with them. Um, and they all have phones, all four of them have phones. And then of course, if something happens, like if a student got sick, the, the parent, so we have an emergency contact line. So we like to call it, it's not no contact, it's just low contact. Um, so students just won't have their phone, but if someone needs to be reached, of course they can be reached. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're so right that that's such a difference nowadays. Like, I feel like when when I was traveling, even not that long ago, as a younger student, it was like, oh, as long as like you say when you get there, it's fine. Or like, we know you made it safe, it's fine. But nowadays, right, right. parents are so used to talking to students and students are so used to talking to parents all day long. So it's definitely something that that you have to mentally prepare those parents for. Truly. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, um, I think these are a lot of the, the questions that I wanted to ask you guys today. But before we finish, um, are there any other sort of anecdotes or things you wanted to share or anything that you want to kind of get out there before before we finish today? Probably um, about the the phone thing. Whenever someone like asks me, like, is it hard? Or like when a, um, when a student asks me, like, is it hard? Like, are you bored? I say, I'm, you're never, you, you would never have time to be on your phone, even if you were able to like have it on you because the schedule is literally sun up to sundown and repeat. Like there's everything you have, you do everything in the day. So by the time you actually get back to your living space, it's kind of just like, I'm going to take a shower and then I'm going to go to sleep because we've been up for 12 hours. So it's kind of like, even if you did have your phone, you wouldn't have time to be on it. So I kind of think that. And then when parents ask me, like, um, were you scared to be away from your mom? Like, we can talk to your mom. I always say that there's like, you have, she has 100% access to me, but I have like 50% or, you know, something like that access to her in the case of emergencies. Or like, if I'm, you know, just need, just need that, you know, reassurance. But overall, they have 100% access to us. So there's like never a time where you can't talk to me if you really need to. And yeah, I always kind of just like emphasize that as encouragement, because a lot of people are scared when it comes to not being able to communicate back and forth. And that usually helps. Yeah, I think that's great that you're able to kind of, from your perspective, talk to parents and students about that, because it's an important part of the experience, right? Like not having a foot in two places, like being able to completely immerse yourself where you are. And, and part of that is kind of cutting off that communication a little bit. And I think it's something that probably helps you grow a lot. It probably helps everybody grow a lot. It probably even helps the parents grow. Yes. I also recommend them to like bring their cameras because I take a lot of pictures on my phone. So I need to kind of like that replacement. So I brought my um, Canon camera and like all the pictures on there now are just so beautiful. And I'm so glad that I made that decision. I took a picture That's of literally everything. <laughs> No, no, that's a really good point. I wouldn't even think of that. The thing, we use our phones for so much these days. <laughs> great, great. And Cassie, did you have any other kind of last things you wanted to, to squeeze in? Yeah, I just like to add that I remember when I saw the job post for Globems, I was so excited that this organization even existed. Like I remember when I was in school, I would get those letters in the mail offering tours across Europe or just really cool abroad experiences that were four, five, six, seven thousand dollars and like sometimes we barely had food to eat. Like there was no way on earth I was going to be able to afford something like that. And so the way that Global Glimpse is so accessible to all families that everyone has the opportunity to travel abroad and make these experiences do things that 
a lot of high school students don't get to do. Like um, less than 1% of high school students travel abroad. Um, and it's just so cool that Global Glimpse makes it possible for people to do things that they honestly never dreamed of. Like a lot of students don't even fathom these experiences. And then like Mia said, Miss Cagney, like they might have a teacher who just like brings it up to them. Like, hey, there's this thing that exists. You should really look into it. Um, and the student gets nominated by a leader they trust. And they're like, let's do it. Like, let's take this jump. Let's, let's do something I never even thought about doing and see what happens. And so many of our students just share how transformational it was, like how much they learned about the world and themselves. And I'm super pleased that this is my first cohort of traveling students. I can't wait to read their post-program surveys and see what they had to say. But, you know, it's my job. I work hard all year round, me and my counterparts, like making this happen. Not only me and the programs team, but our national team, like so many people um, do so much to make this happen. Like shout out to our donors, shout out to our development team. Like everyone's doing everything to make this happen for so many people. And, you know, families don't know the, all the things that go on behind the background to make this happen um, for families. But I'm just so pleased that people like Nia, like students like Nia are able to have this experience and they're like, it's all worth it. Like all the hard work that we've done is all worth it. Like the students are blessed, the families are happy. Like they notice changes in their students. And it just makes my heart like burst with pride and joy that, you know, this is that Global Glimpse is doing what we said we would do. And it's just such an amazing thing to be part of. So I'm excited. Thanks for letting me be a part of this. Um, and yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you both, Kesti and Nia, for taking the time to join us and, and for sharing your experiences. You know, I think that um, you guys have so much to say about this theme of kind of families working, you know, with high schoolers, Nia having experienced, you know, having this conversation with her family herself. Um, so I just really thank you guys for, for taking the time. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to another episode in our Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion in the World of Education Abroad podcast series. Once again, for more information on the Forum on Education Abroad, you can visit forumea.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, we would just ask that you subscribe to our channel and leave us a review. Please feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn and let us know what you thought about the episode. Thank you for listening.